Anybody need a handout? Everybody got one? And we got the youth back there in the back. Now, see, on, on, on our uh, small group meeting, we always have food. I wonder if Terry's got food for him back there. <laughs> all right, we might check that out. I'll have to check into that. So, all right, let's get together. And, and I got you a handout, and I've, I brought back some of the, the fun things that you like to do, and that's called fill in the blank. Now, Kay's already filled hers completely out before we even started. So I'm going to get Kay to come on up. <laughs> And help us out. All right, so, so what I want to do is, is this morning, when, what I was covering this morning, Jonah chapter 2, I had, a, I had some extra. I had a lot of things that I wanted to put in there. Last time I did that, Patty said we should have made that in two sessions. So we're going to do a little bit of chapter 2, and then we're going to finish up with chapter 3. It's, it's what we're going to study tonight. You know, as we were going home today, when we left and we were going home, Patty said, there was a couple things that I thought you might talk about this morning that you didn't. And I'm thinking, well, it was in my notes. And then I got to think, I said, no, that's in tonight's notes. Okay, so, so we're going to cover it tonight. So, you know, a couple things. We're going to review a few things. A couple things that we talked about last Sunday morning. A couple things we talked about this Sunday morning. But we're going to review those, all right? So then t- I titled this, and, and basically it was when I was studying Jonah 2 and Jonah 3, but the results of being in God's will. And we've talked about that, and you know that. We've done it with more than, than uh, a few people. We've done it with a, more than a few characters in the Bible about being inside, outside of God's will, about John the Baptist, how he was following along with exactly what God wanted him to do. And then some of the other ones that we talked about, but there's some that, that I'm going to reference a few to, today that some of the more prominent figures... Get, had times when they got outside of God's will. And then you'd just be surprised about it, but you, you recognize that. But so, so a couple of things we started out with, and I, I put it at the top of the page. I used this last week. You know, what comes to mind when you think about Jonah in the Bible, and everybody thinks about the same thing. Then the book of Jonah, specifically about Jehovah God, that was a first fill in the blank for you. And I covered that this morning. We talked about Jehovah on Wednesday night. We talked about him being self-revealing, uh, self-existent, depending on nobody. But the book of Jonah, all four chapters is about God revealing himself to the people. God revealing himself to, to uh, Jonah, obviously. God revealed himself to the sailors. God revealing himself to the people of Nineveh. All right, so he's self-revealing, but it, the whole book of Jonah is specifically focused on Jehovah God, and then we talked about that Wednesday. Now it's focused on the God who created the seas, the wind, and every living creature on the planet. That's what it talks about. All right, now the book of Jonah reveals to us great lengths that God will go through to reach His people. God doesn't just sit around waiting for us, even though He sees what's going on, but He goes to great lengths to get our attention. Sometimes He goes goes to great lengths to, to bring us back to him, to draw us to him. He's not, just, he's not just sitting idle. He wants us to come to him. Now, the past two Sunday mornings, we got a glimpse of the compassion that God has for his people, specifically the people of Nineveh, and he desires to save all people. We covered that this morning as well. The desire to have a relationship with each and every person on this planet. We saw the acts of disobedient servant, Jonah, whom God gave a second chance. We saw where Scripture tells us that we serve a God of second chances. All these are reviews. Now, I'm just reviewing a few things with you. A God who desires to have a relationship with his creation. We have spent many, many hours 
in trying to, to uncover the enhancement of our relationship with God the Father, how we can grow closer to Him, all right? Scripture says we serve a God of second chances. You don't have to read very far in the Bible to discover how God forgives His servants and restores them uh, to the where they should be. Now, these are some of the ones that I listed. Now, these are four fill-in-the-blanks for you, all right? The first one is blank fled to Egypt where he lied about his wife, but God gave him another chance. Who was it? Abraham. All right, so the first one is Abraham. All right, all right. the second one, lied to his father Isaac. This should, should narrow it down a little bit. But God restored him and used him to build the nation of Israel. Jacob, all right, Jacob. All right, that's the second one. Number three, blank killed a man, most likely in self-defense, fled to Egypt, but God called him to be the leader of his people. Who was it? Moses. All right. All right. Number four, denied the Lord three times. Now, I'm not getting too far off the box here. Denied the Lord three times, but Jesus forgave him and said, follow me. Peter. Peter. All right. So you got those. Those are fairly easy. All right. Jonah knew, and, and this is prominent people in the Bible, who God gave a second chance, who were her prominent uh, prophets, who were prominent leaders, who were prominent uh, men in the Bible, but God gave them a second chance. So you know if he's going to do that, he's going to do the same thing for us because he desires that not one person should perish, all right? Jonah knew that God had that. Jonah knew the God that created the seas and the wind and every living thing on this planet, all right? He knew what God was capable of doing when he's sitting inside the well, but he did not want God to spare the city of Nineveh. You got to think about it. Jonah had such bitterness toward this city that he was willing to watch them perish. He wanted, he desired for God to just wipe them off the face of this earth. Now, you think about it. It's a pretty tough thing. You got to look at, back in the history of, of possibly Jonah's family being uh, even put to death as a result of these people. And that's why he was so bitter at it. His, his, his people were, were uh, falling as part of that. Now, all right. He was willing to be disobedient and turn away from God and run from God. Now, Jonah's actions reveal that he would rather die than to do what God had called him to do. He'd rather just end this place altogether. All right. Now, that's pretty strong conviction. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty significant act of disobedience and being out of God's will, but this was not God's plan for him. Now, God was in control, and he had a purpose for Jonah just like he has a purpose for each of us. Now, let's get into the Scripture and read Jonah 2, 1 to 10. I read that this morning, but let's look at it again because we're going to break it down just a little bit. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from the death inside of Sheol. You heard my voice. When you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, the currents overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to my neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountain. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faith, faithful love. 
But as for me, I will sacrifice to you the voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and he vomited Jonah onto dry land. You know, English translation, you'd think they'd been a little softer with that. He vomited Jonah onto dry land. I looked around that as hard as I could. I said, I just got to say it, all right? Jonah's in the belly. Things come out of the belly. How do they come out? Okay. All right. The significance of these verses, scriptures found in Jonah's willingness to pray. When you think about how important prayer is, and we talked about how important prayer is, but Jonah realized that that was how important it was him, and that was his significance. Now, Jonah's request, at his request, the sailors threw Jonah over the edge of the boat and into the depths of the sea. They didn't want to do it. They did it reluctantly. Even after Jonah told them to do it, they still tried to, to row against the wind. They still tried to get the boat to the shore. But when it was just inevitable, it was not going to happen, that's when they threw him overboard. All right. Scripture tells us that the sea did what? Instantly became what? Calm. The minute he hit the water and the minute he started going down, the sea became calm because that was what God's plan was. All right. And the results, Jonah began to sink to the bottom. All right. Jonah 117, we go back. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And we know that's important. We're going to talk about that on the end tonight. From a near drowning experience, which from a human standpoint, all right? So drowning is one thing. Near drowning is, is close to drowning, but it's, but it's very similar. There's some things that take place, all right, from a human standpoint. It produces an unconscious type of state that the body goes into from lack of oxygen, all right? So you got to understand that when Jonah hits the water, he's still a human being. Even though God is in control, he's going under the water. After four to six minutes without oxygen, there's a, a loss of consciousness that takes place. Nonetheless, his ability to breathe and continue living was his cause for rejoicing. When he wakes up or when he regains consciousness inside the belly of this great fish, he's still able to breathe. So from the belly of the fish, Jonah submitted, he prayed, he entrusted, and God did what? He forgave him. He, he repented, all right, which is exactly what the message was he was going to preach. Now, we don't know how long Jonah was in the belly of the fish before this prayer actually took place. We don't know if, if it had been the three days, if, if God, if he'd been sitting in there thinking about everything that had taken place, and he prayed on the third day, and, and the well or the, the fish spit him up on the shore at that particular time. We just know that some point in those three days is when this prayer took place, but we don't know exactly which day it was. All right. Now, what we do know is that the Bible says that he was in the great fish for how many days? Three days and three nights. All right. Now, on the third day, God had the fish place him up on what kind of land? Dry land. I mean, you think about it. The whale's big enough to hold a human being inside of it. It has to beach himself because he didn't just come up into the shallows and spit him out into the shallow water. He put him out on. Okay, my bad. Patty said it was projectile vomit. Y'all ever seen that before? All right. It's got some distance to it. All right. Got a little bit of coverage. And then and it, it's what? But it can't just be Jonah coming out then, can it? Huh? There's got to be some other substance coming out with it too, most likely. All right. All right. Third day. Here we go. Jonah 2.10. Actually, the Lord commanded the fish 
and it vomited Job up to dry land, on dry land. God desires our attention and our focus. Now, Psalm 46, uh, 10, I put this one in there because this was something that's important to me. Because to me, this is what Jonah is going through in these three days. All right? When you look at Psalm 46, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You believe that? It's an attention getter. I mean, Jonah's in there, and he's, he's saying, God's saying, be still and know that I'm God because I control everything. I'm self-existent. I'm Jehovah God, all right? I'm going to reveal myself to you, all right? Jonah had a hard time to be still and reflect on God's decision uh, to run away from God, all right? He had a hard time to be still and reflect on God and his decision to run away. Now, Jonah admitted that, and here's a fill in the blank for you, all right? Jonah admitted that it was blank who cast him into the sea. God. He admitted it. He said it. It's in the scripture. He said God is the one that did it, all right? Not the hands of the sailors. He knew that the one true God who was the creator of all things, and he knew that God was still working in his life. This is very important. All right? I put that in here as well in the statement. I want you to remember this. When trials and affliction come upon us, it is important that we know God is still doing what? He's still working. We're going to be... We're going to deal with trials. We're going to deal with, with tribulation. We're going to deal with struggle. We're going to deal with hardship. We're going to deal with difficulty, all right? But God is still working in and through us if we allow him to, all right? And it says, he, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always. I'm going with you every step of the way, all right? All right, he's still working. Jonah lost the presence of God, and he admitted that he believed the devil's lies. This is what happens when you disobey God. Satan is, is trying to, to distort everything that God has said to you. He's trying to distort the things that you believe. He's twisting everything, just like he tried to twist the scripture with Jesus himself uh, during the temptation period. All right? And, and, and sometimes human beings believe Satan's lies. you believe that? I almost said amen, but that's not really something to say amen to. But you think about it. Sometimes we're deceived. Sometimes Satan can get a, get a handle on even a pastor, even a preacher, even a prophet. I just showed you four people that disobeyed God, and, and one was Abraham, one was Moses. All these people were disobedient because they believed something besides what God wanted them to believe. All right? Now, Jonah ultimately showed true sorrow and his disobedience and repented. All right? In faith, he asked God for his forgiveness, and God heard Jonah's humble prayer inside the belly of the great fish. And then after that, after the way that Jonah had been stubbornly refused to obey God's voice, uh, it's a wonder that, that God would even listen to him. When you think about how hard-headed he was and the things that he was doing, it's a wonder that God would even, you know, I'll get somebody else to do this. You would think, you're making this way too difficult. Let's just get somebody that's obedient to me, and we'll get it done. But it's a wonder that God even hung in there with him, all right? Now, you might think that God would move on, get somebody else, but we serve the God of how many chances? Multiple. Multiple chances, all right? All right. That's not a fill-in-the-blank. Don't worry. I'll get you the fill-in-the-blanks, all right? 
Jonah had turned his back on God's instructions for him, so the Lord had been forced to speak to him sternly. And I think that's what he was doing. I think the raging sea, the thunder, the storm, the sea, all the things that he was dealing with was a stern warning. It was an attention getter. It was something that that God used to get his attention. And then a a little bit of downtime in the belly of the fish was also something added to that, for Jonah needed to listen to what God wanted him to do. All right? Now, that Jonah had confessed his sins and turned his back on the Lord, God could once again speak to him through his word, all right? Through the word of God, through his word, through his, his, his written word. Now, does God speak to us as we read and ponder his word today? That's the way he speaks to us, all right? That's the way he talks to us. If you want to talk to God, you've got to get into his word. If you, if you don't want to grow in your relationship with him, you can stay away from the word. But the only way he speaks to us today is through the actions of his people and through his word, all right? Now, here's a, here's a statement that was pretty delicate. If we don't hear God speaking to us in our hearts and when we meditate on his word, perhaps... We have some unfinished business that needs to be settled with him. That's just something to to uh, self-look at on our own selves. All right, now, God still intended to use Jonah for his mighty work. That was pretty clear. There was no running away from God sitting inside the belly of the fish. He stopped him right in his tracks. I mean, he was heading down to Tarsus. He was heading down in the boat. He was going to go as far away from Nineveh as he could. God put him in the belly of the fish, set him down, held him still, said, be still, know that I'm God. And, and, and basically, there was no more running away from God. Now, God cleansed Jonah and gave him a second chance. And that's a fill in the bank. God cleansed him. God forgave him, but God cleansed him, all right? Now, it's hard to cleanse something inside the belly of a fish, and we'll talk about that in just a second, all right? After three days, God had the fish place him up on dry land, all right? The mission that God placed before Jonah was still at hand. The harvest was great. We talked about that uh, the week before last. The harvest was great because you think about it, Nineveh was a big city. It was a great city, all right? So lots and lots of people in Nineveh, all of them were on the same path. There was not like two or three of them that was in this condition and were doing well, and some of them were mediocre. They were all evil. The whole place was just coming apart, all right? God had not changed his position on what he wanted uh, to, the people of Nineveh to do, nor he had not changed his position on what Jonah, he wanted Jonah to do. Now, Jonah had to change his position of obedience because he was disobedient and he had to change to obedience but God's purpose was still the same now Nineveh needed to hear God's message that's a pretty impressive statement people need to hear God's message the United States of America needs to hear God's message people all over this world need to hear God's message the city of Nineveh was a big city but so is the city of Tallahassee so is the city of Miami so is the city of Atlanta all these people are these big cities but they need to hear Jesus all right amen all right let's look at the let's go to the next page and flip it over to the back now let's look at Jonah 3 we, we kind of did a little review and so let's see what we got here all right who wants to read anybody I guess that'd be me All right, hang in there with me, all right? The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, all right? Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you, all right? Listen to verse 2. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message I tell you. Get up, I'm in the belly of a fish, all right? Just think about it. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh. 
He refers to the great city and preached the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Obviously, he's on the dry land. My bad. Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. It took three days to walk through the city. All right? Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed and fasted and dressed in sackcloth. From the greatest of them to the least, when word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king, his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoings. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we do not perish. God saw their actions, and they, and they had turned from the evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. Isn't that amazing that God would change his mind? Now, God didn't change his mind. You think about it. What? They repented. Preached the message of repentance. I want them to change their ways. All right? If they don't change their ways, then I will uh, do away with the city. All right? But they changed their ways. All right? Think about it. The key word throughout the book of, of Jonah is the word great. When I looked at that, that word's used a lot. All right? But it's used in a different kind of text. It's, it's not used as in something that's so good it's great. All right? You think about it. But they use the word great to emphasize the magnitude of it. All right? It's used numerous occasions, and it's used to emphasize the significance of what has taken place in these events. The significance of them is great. There's a, it's so huge, okay, so to speak. Not that it's so good. God gave Jonah, now we back up on this one, God gave Jonah a great commission. That's a different issue for great from what it's referring to the others. A great commission to preach the message of repentance. So God gave Jonah a great commission to go and preach his message to a great city. All right? Two different types of usage of that word. All right? So it's not a great city because it was a wonderful place to live. It was a great city in reference to the significant amount of people who lived in Nineveh. And the significant amount of wickedness that the people who lived there were participating in. All right? That's what it's talking about, a great, a great magnitude. All right? God wanted Jonah to do what? To the Gentiles, a message of repentance. What do you want? Preach. He wanted them to preach. Preach, teach, however you want to say it. He just wanted people to, he wanted them to tell them what was about to happen. He wanted to tell them about God. You think about it. Jonah steps in, and I'm going to tell you, history shows that, that these people would kill people and just stack them up on top of each other at the gates of the city. So you've got to understand, Jonah walks in through the city, starts talking like he's talking. Honestly, you know, God's the one doing all the talking. Jonah's just the messenger that's walking through there. All right? He starts walking through there. It takes him three days to get through there, and as soon as he walks by, people start repenting. 
All right? It's not like it happens all at the end. It's just odd that he's in the belly three days and it takes three days to get through the city. But anyhow, it's still the same. People started repenting when he started preaching and walking through there so that they could escape. All right? God wanted John to preach the, the Gentiles a message of repentance so that they could escape the wrath of God that he, and, and be forgiven. All right? The wrath of God, something that God poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross, all right? All right, what a message. It's an awesome message, amen? What was going to take the city of Nineveh? This is a little question I put in there. So what do you think was going to take the city of Nineveh to believe the message that Jonah was to tell them? This has got to be going through Jonah's mind. What's it going to take for these wicked, evil people to change from their lifestyle? to change from what they're doing. What's it going to take for this to take place? Would this be the most difficult task that Jonah had ever faced in his ministry? Would this be an uphill battle? Would he be killed the moment he stepped inside the city gates? Would he be able to simply walk through the city? All these are things that, that you got to think about and tell these people that they needed to repent, tell them that they've been doing things all wrong, to tell them that they need to change their ways or God's going to do away with them. All right? Or what is it going to take? Would they need a stronger testimony than Jonas? Would they need somebody bigger? Would they need somebody more powerful? Would they need somebody that, that had better looks about him? Somebody that was more of a, a leader? You know, I don't know what Jonah looked like, but you got to understand, he's just been three days without anything to eat, and he's been in the belly of a fish for three days. He can't look real healthy, can he? Huh? I can only imagine what he looked like. All right? But you think about it. Was it going to take somebody else to, to do this? Now, what could possibly change the hardened hearts of many people who seemed extremely calloused from an outsider's perspective? Now, when Jonah was placed upon dry land out of the great fish, did people see the encounter? Did some of the people of Nineveh maybe witness this encounter? Did they say, hey, there's a big fish that has beached itself up on the, on the shore. Wait, out of the mouth comes walking a man. I was just curious thinking about it. I'm just trying to figure out how this happens. I mean, it said it vomited upon him, but did he come projectiling across there with his arms up and land on his feet? You know, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to thinking. All right? So, so check it out. I'm he needed a bath coming in, you know? But he come out on dry land. All right? All right? Did the do you think the news could have possibly of what just happened beat Jonah to the city of Nineveh? That maybe that somebody ahead of him that was a, a Ninevite said, "Hey, you're not going to believe what we just said." Just like the Samaritan woman headed into Samaria uh, to, to tell those people about what had happened to her. Maybe somebody and I'm, this is my speculation. It's all speculation. Okay, it's not biblical, but but maybe the news beat him there. You know, maybe it was powerful. Maybe they were listening up when he walked through the gates that they were paying attention a little closer than maybe they would have without it, all right? Was Jonah's appearance different? This is something Patty and I talked about this afternoon. Was Jonah's appearance different based on spending three days in the belly of the fish, all right? Here's what I think about. Enduring gastric contents that could possibly bleach out his skin. Let's think about it. What happens to your teeth if you throw up too much huh it erodes them it eats the enamel off of your teeth i mean that's the thing that happens a lot of people he's been in the belly of this fish for three days gastric contents in there what else you think was in the belly of this fish besides jonah 
Other fish, maybe. All right. Three days worth of old smell. What is one, what's 24 hours of a dead fish smell like? 72 would be even worse, wouldn't you think? All right. So, so he needed that bath, didn't he, Miss Jerry? All right. He possibly still had some of that seaweed wrapped around his head, around his body. This is all speculation, but it's all possible. All right. I suspect more likely it was a fact that the message that came from Jonah's mouth was bold, was powerful, and came from the Word of God. Would you believe that? It was God's word coming out of his mouth. It was God speaking. God was using Jonah as a messenger. All he had to do was open his mouth, and God's word was coming out. It was bold. It was proclaimed, and it was coming straight from the Almighty. That's what I think, all right? Directly from God through the mouth of an obedient servant. If you look at Hebrews, and I put this in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that's what the writer said in Hebrews, all right? Whatever the circumstances were, here's the bottom line. Lives were changed by the message of God and the reluctant, obedient servant, God's servant Jonah, all right? God used Jonah and lives were changed, but it was God that did the changing. People just had to be receptive to the change, but God is the one that did the changing because he is in control, all right? Now, all Jonah did was follow the instructions that God gave him to preach the message. God did the rest. The people repented, and God changed their lives. He does that anytime he, anytime we're in his will, all right? Now, from the top to the bottom, we looked at it. From the king all the way down to the lowest citizen, there was an expression of fear and repentance in this whole city. Now, it took three days for him to get through Nineveh, but revival came from the very first day that he started his ministry in Nineveh. The people believed in God, proven their faith, and God was fulfilled his promise, and he forgave them. And when we're filling the blank here, we're almost done. This was undoubtedly one of the greatest evangelistic blanks in, in history. What do you think? Harvest. This is a harvest. Remember the Bible says the harvest is great, but the workers are few. This is it's obviously the greatest message, but it's one of the greatest harvests in history when I look at it. All right? It shows what God can do with a single human being willing to preach God's message. One person changed millions of lives. You know, it's, it's throughout, throughout the Bible. You can see where the God's disciples changed not just thousands, but thousands and thousands upon thousands. But the thing is, God can use one person to change multiple lives. All right, Jesus made reference to Jonah in the city of Nineveh in his illustration. If you go over to Matthew 12, verse 38 through 41, I got this one for you. All right, then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. All right, we got to see a sign from you. He answered them, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of a huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching and looked. Something greater than Jonah is here. And this is what we're talking about. And we're fixing to focus on this. You've got to think about Jonah's teachings and Jesus' teachings. Now, that's what we're fixing to do, a little comparison. That's what Jesus is talking about here. All right? Now, Jesus had preached for how many years? His ministry went on how many years? Three? 
give or take a little bit. All right, so roughly three years. He started around 30, uh, ended around 30, his third, age 33. All right, so you think about it. Jesus preached for three years. Jonah walked through the city of Nineveh how many days? Three days, all right? And, all right, so Jesus preached for three years and had to reinforce his message with his miracles. Jesus, every day, he was, he was touching somebody, changing somebody's life. He was doing miracles. Jonah didn't do any miracles, all right? He was part of a miracle, but he didn't do any miracles. Jesus did miracles with his, and yet these people would not repent and believe the, the Son of God, all right? When you think about it, all right? The Ninevites heard one sermon from one preacher and the sermon emphasized the wrath, not love, all right? And yet they repented and were forgiven. Now, the Jews heard the Son of God for three years. They saw him. They saw his miracles. They heard his teachings. They heard his preaching for three years. They heard the message of forgiveness, yet they refused to repent. Now, Satan will do his best to try and keep God's word from God's people. He tries to shield it, all right? He tries to twist it to justify why we shouldn't do it, why we shouldn't believe it, why we shouldn't listen to it, and persuade us to go in the opposite direction. So our last two, God has called us to be witnesses for him. He's called us to be witnesses for him. He's called us to share the gospel, but he's called us to be his witnesses for him, to tell people about him. Now, to tell people about his son... And to have a fellowship with him. All right, that's the last two. Now we're going to finish up with this last statement and then we'll be through. All right, here's one I'd like to finish with There is no greater reward than walking with God and being inside of his will. Amen? All right, any questions? You've got the rest of the story. All right? All right, well, I'm going to close us in prayer and then we will be finished for the evening and I, I look forward to if you're not here on Wednesday nights you ought to be here on Wednesday nights because those those uh, names of God are, are very important all right all right let's let's close in prayer father God I just come before you this evening God just thank you for an opportunity to come into your house God what an awesome day it's been God from the time we entered this morning God for our, our services this morning our, our worship with you God, our, our, our observing the Lord's Supper, what an awesome worship experience that is. And God, our time together with you this evening, God, we just thank you for it. I thank you for the opportunity to come back in your house with, with like-minded believers, God, to, to study your word, Father, because we want to grow closer to you. We want to know more about you. We want to have a tighter relationship with you. And God, we thank you for that. I pray for everyone that's here. God, I pray for those that are not here. God, I just pray that you would lead us and guide us. And God, I just thank you for, for moving us forward. And I ask that you keep us focused on you in this ministry and in this church. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.